Hey Zipper friends, my name is Neil and welcome to this episode 73 of the Get Your Comic Con podcast. We're here fortnightly-ish to bring you a slice of film, TV and pop culture goodness from our studio direct to your speakers. Now I am not joined by my very own boy Wonder Martin this week because he has unfortunately been uh, poorly with Covid for the last week or so and uh, has just tested negative and immediately had to go back into work. Um, So I'm here flying solo to talk all things Green Lantern Beware My Power, which is a brand new DC Comics animated movie which is releasing uh, next week. So it's hitting uh, DVD and Blu-ray on the 25th of July and digital on my birthday, which is the 26th of July. The film is directed by Jeff Wamister, it's written by Ernie Altbacker and John Semper, and it stars Aldous Hodge, who you will know as Hawkman from the upcoming Black Adam movie. Uh, So Aldous is playing um, Green Lantern, which in this case is Jon Stewart. Jimmy Simpson is playing Oliver Queen, Green Arrow. Nolan North is providing additional voices, which is interesting and a very loaded comment. You've got Jamie Gray Hyder as Hawkgirl, Brian Bloom as Adam Strange, Keisha Sharp as Vixen, Simon Templeman as Sardath, Rick Wasserman as Sinestro, Ike Amadi as Martian Manhunter, Mara Junot as Lisa Drack, Sunil Malhota as Power Ring, and Jason J. Lewis as Ganthet. The brief synopsis for uh, this film is uh, recently discharged marine sniper John Stewart is at a crossroads in his life, one which is only complicated further by receiving an extraterrestrial ring which grants him the powers of the Green Lantern of Earth. Now I said I was alone for this podcast but that's not strictly true. I am joined by not one, not two, but three guests this episode. I am speaking with writers Ernie Altbacker and John Semper and I'm also talking to Hawkgirl herself, Jamie Greyhider, about... uh, this new animated incarnation of the character which is awesome as always a massive thank you to warner brothers for setting those up for me before i continue it is worth noting i am going to probably touch on some slightly spoilery points from the plot and i always forget to warn you when there are spoilers so this is your warning Uh, i'm not going to go full-on spoiler because obviously the film isn't out yet but we will touch on spoilers a little bit for this film so you have been warned this film is the latest in the uh, the new kind of animated continuity, the shared universe that takes over after the kind of new 52 verse came to an end with Apocalypse War, Dark Apocalypse, what was it? Apocalypse War, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. I knew there was a dark in there somewhere. Uh, so this is the new continuity that started with Superman Man of Tomorrow, was picked up in Justice Society World War Two, and was last seen in the two-part Batman Along Halloween, which starred Jensen Ackles. So this is the next in that kind of growing shared universe of stories. It is connected. Uh, it's a little bit more disconnected than others. So, um, spoiler alert, if you were looking for cameos from um, from either Superman or Flash or, or Batman or the Wonder Woman who is kind of introduced in, in Justice Society, that's not the case. This film doesn't rely on those. And it's something that is picked up on in my interviews with Ernie and, and John that they wanted to make sure that John Stewart, this being his first kind of lead film... Um, wasn't playing second fiddle to you know the Trinity or any of the other major members of the the Justice League. So there, there's mention of where Batman, Superman, and interestingly Wonder Woman are, um, but they don't appear in the story. This is very much John Stewart and his origin story as Green Lantern in this version of the DC Universe. He is backed up by uh, Jimmy Simpson as Oliver Queen, who is a brilliant, brilliant Green Arrow. The two have some amazing scenes together and some great chemistry. And there is a version of the Justice League which is seen. I won't spoil the full roster, although if you listened to um, the the voice actors that I listed, you will kind of have an idea about who's there. 
but for much of the film they're backed up by by Hawkgirl who's played by Jamie Gray Hyder which again, again you'll hear her talk about that role shortly but it, she is a brilliant scene partner there is <laughs> there's a lot of green amongst the heroes who take the lead in this film there are some other characters who will appear I won't go into too much detail but there's some there's some exciting lore around the Green Lanterns as well as the conflict between Ran and Thanagar which is what uh, John Stewart is kind of caught up in as part of this origin story. But how about we hear from uh, Ernie Altbacker, who is a friend of the show at this point, um, about his experience of writing the film. It's actually not been that long since we last spoke. We were, it's not, it barely seems like yesterday we were kind of diving into the psyche of John Constantine, and now we're heading off to the stars with John Stewart. So, Let's go kind of back to the beginning. How did you come to be involved with uh, Green Lantern, Beware My Power? Uh, actually, so Jim Krieg was teasing both John Semper and I, even even I think before I wrote um, Constantine, because mm-hmm. that was a short. Yeah. Um, and he and he would go, I've got this project, and I think you and John are 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 the John Semper are the people to to write it. And I go, what is it? I go, ah, I can't tell you yet. And then like a year would go by. And then he'd be like, you know what? This project, it's going to be, it's going to be like an apocalypse now. It's going to be fun. What is it? I can't tell you yet. <laughs> and then, and then finally he's like, all right, it's going to be Green Lantern. We're going to be, we're going to be um, having Jon Stewart make, make his like lead, leading man debut. And you guys are late. And I'm like, you didn't tell us anything <laughs> for two years. You've been teasing this project, and now we're late. So then we just had to like run, you know, run in on it and stuff. So, um, and, but it was it was like kind of quickly done. Um, it was it was a fun collaboration. So you mentioned John Semper there, who obviously you worked with on Spider-Man, and Jim worked on Spider-Man as well, didn't he? And then you kind of, you throw in Butch, who has worked on so many of these DC movies as a producer. So, you know, was it was it genuinely a fun project to work on with kind of a, almost a group of friends, as it were? That's exactly it. You know, we kind of know each other um, from different projects. And of course, John gave me my first, job yeah um in of, of any sort in in hollywood you know not only animation and uh so i'm thankful for that and jim i've known since film school oh wow um and but yeah and and butch recent uh more recently but a couple different projects justice league action also um uh so so yeah uh it was a it's a it's a pretty cool cool team and you're doing it it's just like kind of shooting the crap with friends yeah yeah <laughs> not it doesn't seem like work it doesn't <laughs> seem like work it, it seems fun yeah. i think that's the best way to be isn't it absolutely so you've you've paired up um john stewart as green lantern with green arrow now obviously uh John Stewart was introduced in the in the crossover arc in the comics between Green Lantern and Green Arrow, but that classic pairing is that I guess anyone that reads comics would know is Hal and Ollie. So, how did you land on uh, kind of changing that dynamic and having it be John and Ollie for this story? 
Well, you know, and I know some people kind of looking in for some nefarious thing of like we're you know, <laughs> we're, we're replacing Hal Jordan, and it's not that at all. No, we're no, just giving some fan service yeah. to hard traveling heroes. So it's like he has to be paired up with someone. It can't be an overly powered person or one of the Trinity because then he becomes a bit player in his own origin story. And why not give a tip of the hat and use, and use Ollie. Yeah. Right. Um, and so even though that was a Hal Jordan story, so now this is a total different story, right? This is a total different story, but we're just, taking a pairing, like, as opposed to, as opposed to sending him off with Kilowog. Yeah. It's like, it is kind of funny that it's a, a an Earth-based character with a bow and an arrow in a space adventure. I mean, it's, it's a, a little ridiculous, but he rises to the occasion and it forces John to do most of the heavy lifting. Yeah, and they work really well together as well. The, the, the dynamic between both of them in the, in the story is excellent. Ah, well, I mean, we're, we're, but yeah, they, they did have a great, both, um, both Aldous, Hodge, and Jimmy Simpson did a great job with their characters, as, as did the rest of the voice cast. You know, Warner Brothers and Wes Gleason always do a great job with that. And it's, it's very much, it feels like a trial by fire for John. He's in a very dark place when we first meet him, and then he's thrust into the middle of this conflict between Thanagar and Ran. Um, so what made that the sort of the perfect backdrop for John's story? Well, you know, a good story is like kind of a, a stew. And it's like, oh, I'm going to throw in this, and I'm going to throw in that, and I'm going to throw in this, and it's all <laughs> going to hopefully mix together, and it'll be something great, right? So another piece of this stew is that we're kind of mirroring Apocalypse now. Okay, hmm. John with his PTSD is the same way as Martin Sheen was in that hotel room in, in Saigon. He's a broken man. And the only way he's going to force his way through that is to go back into the jungle. But his jungle is a battlefield on space. Wow. Yeah. How about that? I hadn't seen it that way, but yeah, now you mention it, it is, isn't it? It is It is the going back into the jungle to move on from that, that PTSD. That's, wow. I'm going to, the next time I watch that film, well, I'm going to see it in you, a whole different light. <laughs> if you look at it, um, they're going up this river. Yeah. But it's space, and they're looking for their own Kurtz, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they are. And of course, you also get to bring in Hawkgirl. She gets brought into this group of characters as well. And she's, you know, she's another DC character with a really strong fan base and a great legacy. How was it to write for her as well, bringing her in as a, a character we've not seen in this version of the DC animated universe yet? Exactly. I mean, well, we like to balance it out and have, have diverse people. So your your Hawk women should be <laughs> represented, of course. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, we needed a war, and so it was going to be space-based, so the Ran-Thanagar conflict was kind of a logical choice, you know? Um, and that way we can get Adam Strange in there, too. Yeah. He'd only been seen in a short until now, uh, 
as far as the features, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, in the half hours, they've, they've pulled every character in the <laughs> half hours, right? I mean, and the, it immediately called me back to kind of growing up watching the Justice League animated series in the, what was it, 2004, I want to say? Because obviously John Stewart was the Green Lantern in that show and Shaira was in that group of characters as well. So there's a whole generation of fans who grew up with those two characters being their, their Green Lantern and their Hawkgirl. So what are you hoping that fans uh, take away from watching this when it's when it's out? Well... I mean, we're hoping that this project in some small way puts Jon Stewart into the pantheon Mm. of DC's greatest heroes, where he belongs. You know, we'd like to give him more of a profile. Sometimes these movies, they go out there and then all of a sudden it gives, you know, the live action people something to go, well, you know. There are other people that are in the live-action world, and, and it's as tough for them to get a character that hasn't broken out yeah. onto the screen as it, as it is for us, right? But if we can help them, if we can go, look, that thing was the biggest-selling one, biggest-selling animated project <laughs> of the year, and it starred Jon Stewart. It was just him out there with a bunch of minor characters. We should do the live-action version. Stuff like that. Stranger stuff than that has happened, you know. So we're 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 hoping that he's pushed up uh, and and into a much higher profile, you know, in in the in 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 the world in general, live action and otherwise. That would be absolutely amazing. I think he yeah he he more than deserves it. He's a brilliant character and he he is as you say the star of this film. He's not you know i i like what you say about not putting one of the trinity in there and making him a bit part in his own story he really is he's front and center but um what's what's next for you i know this is the old loaded question that you generally probably can't answer but what is what's next for you well that I, you can say I, obviously exactly the same <laughs> i could tell you but gary would kill me but <laughs> Gary is going to announce what the next four projects are. <gasps> at San Diego Comic Con next week. Yeah. Yeah. At San Diego, at the at at the what do you call it? At the panel, right? Um, and I think I have written on one of those, but you won't know which one. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, in fact, you can't even say that I've written on one. Of those, I think. Uh, but uh, but you will know the titles of the next four projects that that DC home video is, is doing and they're pretty cool. I wish I could be there. I've been in the past. I have been in that room when Gary has made the announcement, but sadly I'm not going to be there this year. I'm going to be at New York comic con, but not San Diego this year. Ah, okay. Well, well, I mean, but you, they, they, they tape these things, right? You're going to, you know what? They'll be in a lot of articles uh, of the next movies. I will be listening intently to social media waiting to hear but thank you very much thanks again for your time today it was lovely to catch up with you again and uh hopefully when we find out what that next project is we'll catch up again always a pleasure to talk to ernie and thank you again for him for appearing on this show uh it was quite funny i, I feel like i've only really just spoken to him a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about constantine house of mystery so you can kind of go back to that episode and hear him talk about how he worked on that film um, and we have talked to him about other films in the past as well uh, so 
that was his experience of working on it. So he worked, as he mentioned in, in that interview, he worked with John Semper, who gave him his very first job in Hollywood. Now, John Semper, to those of you who are of a similar age to I, will, will know that name because he is somewhat of a legend in animation. He was the driving force behind the 1990s Spider-Man animated series, which is to this day probably still the greatest Spider-Man animated series, and one of the only comic book TV series that even comes close to rivaling Batman the animated series and what Warner Brothers were doing in the 90s. So to talk to John was an absolute honour in itself, uh, but to have him working on this project and working with Ernie, who he'd he'd worked with before, and working with Jim Krieg, who is the you know one of the producers, who again he worked with on Spider-Man. Is just it's uh, you can hear it when we talk about it in this interview that you'll hear just now. But there is there's so much love for the the team that were working on this film that it's clear they had really good fun making it. So uh, let's listen to what John had to say about working on Green Lantern: Beware My Power. Hi, John. How are you doing today? How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me. I'm really excited to talk Beware My Power. Um, take me back to the beginning. How did you get involved with this project? Well, um, I've known Jim and Ernie for a very long time, uh, you know, at least 25 years um, or more. And uh, I was having breakfast with Jim one morning. We see we, we do that once or twice a year, which is which in which in Hollywood terms means we're great friends. <laughs> um, we were having breakfast one morning and he said, you know, there's something I think I'd like you to work on. And I said, great. And then about a year passed, and uh, we were having lunch, and he said, uh, I want you to look over the uh, Neil Adams, uh, uh, Denny O'Neill um, uh, soft cover compilation of their Green Lantern, Green Arrow comics. I didn't need to look them over because I had actually bought them when they first came out. I'm old enough to bought them when they first came out. And I was blown away comics uh, back in the day. Uh, and I think it's really important to... <coughs> Excuse me. I think it's really important to um, to know what it's like when a comic book first arrives on the scene, um, because there is that moment when it shatters everything that came before it. And if you're there for that moment, you get the full effect of what that feels like. So um, I said, "Great." I took the uh, the compilation to refresh my memory, and uh, and then another year went by, and then we started oh, wow. talking in earnest. Uh, he brought. Ernie and I together, and we started thrashing out a story for uh, for the movie. And you mentioned there that you you know you're working with Ernie, and you've got Jim on board, both of whom were with you on on Spider Man, uh, and then you kind of you throw in Butch Lukic, who is you know a veteran producer on the DC universe. He's been there for so many of these movies. What was the process like yeah. from there in putting together the the story and the script for the for the film? Well, how lucky am I that I got to work with all these wonderful people? Yeah. Um, Jim and Ernie, I actually gave, <laughs> I, I actually gave Jim and Ernie their first job in the business, and part yeah. of that was uh, when they were young, when they were young whippersnappers. I, I got to train them. Uh, so we we all think the same way. You know, that's the, that's the great thing about this situation is uh, they know how I think. I know how they think. Uh, and um, and we were we were all very comfortable with one another, uh, and then Butch was very comfortable with us. So after we thrashed out the story, I, I, I'm not even sure we really wrote a full outline. I think we might have written a beat outline, and then we took it to Butch, and then he had some ideas and thoughts, and we incorporated those, and then we started writing. 
and uh, Ernie took the first half of the script. We, we sort of figured out a separation point where we would meet in the middle. So Ernie took the first half, I took the second half. Then we looked it over. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then I think um, we might have run it past Jim at that point, and Jim gave notes. And then I did a full pass on the whole thing. Um, and uh, that was the last I saw of it. I don't know what might have happened after that. I'm sure Jim did a pass. I don't know if Ernie touched it again. Um, Ernie expressed a great deal of pleasure in the fact that he was handing it off to me because he knew that I could I could shoulder the burden of a good deal of it. Um, and uh, I guess he's he's found himself in situations in the past where that wasn't necessarily always the case. Um, so yeah, we we had a blast. Really, we had a lot of fun. We we uh, it, it all went very quickly. Uh, my joke is that I'm still waiting for the difficult note because <laughs> really it, it it was such an easy process. I still can't believe this thing is done already. Um, but no, we had time, and we we all uh, probably the best fun was when we all went to a screening. We all went to the movies. We went to a screening of Apocalypse Now. Uh, which was a movie that I've seen a million times and uh, actually stood in line for when it first came out and was just being screened as a rough cut. Um, I stood in line in Westwood for four hours to watch it. Oh, wow. But uh, we, we had a lot of fun. You know, yeah, for me to get together with those guys is, uh, is just a pleasure. And I spoke to Ernie about the the film earlier, and he mentioned Apocalypse Now, and and we were kind of relating it back to to John's journey in this film and the the kind of the trial by fire that he goes through. Um, do you want to just talk a little bit about the the setting of the the Ran uh, the Ran and Thanagar conflict and why that was a, a good backdrop for John's story? Yeah, I mean, this is a man who is going through PTSD. He's going through emotional torment. And the challenge is, just like the challenge for Martin Sheen and Apocalypse Now, the challenge is that the only way out mentally, emotionally, out of the only way for him to find his way out of the turmoil is to put himself back in the jungle, put himself back in the conflict. Um, so the conflict that he gets placed into is the Ron Thanagarian War, which is everything that war is that he hates and doesn't want any part of, but he knows he's got to work his way through it. And what he's got to do is he's got to find his purpose again. He's got to find out why he fought in the first place, not to be a hero per se, but to help people, to save people, to, um, you know, to prevent death. He's got to reclaim all of that. And that, you know, by the way, parallel uh, is also what, um, trains him and um, convinces him to accept the mantle of being a Green Lantern. Yeah, yeah. So there's just a lot of parallels going on at the same time. And he has this wonderful scene partner in in Oliver Queen in Green Arrow, and obviously the Green Lantern Green Arrow comics uh, that that very famous run that you just kind of you touched on before was where John Stewart was first introduced. But fans who will have been reading those comics will remember that the classic pairing is Hal. Uh, you know Hal Jordan and Oliver Queen. So, how did you yeah. kind of land on the decision to um, to make it John and Oliver for this film? Well, it was very much Jim's idea, and so um, we were carrying out his wishes. But it it makes sense for a number of reasons. Uh, first of all, 
John Stewart is long overdue in terms of reintroducing him to the world again and to a generation who grew up with him as their Green Lantern. This is an opportunity for him to be brought back onto the screen in a very big way. And I think the uh, brilliance of pairing him up with, um, with the Green Arrow is that, you know, there is that iconic familiarity with Green Lantern and Green Arrow being paired together. Yes. It's yeah. always an odd couple. Yeah. It's always an odd couple, which I think is leads to great drama and leads to a little bit of comedy, both of which I think we have in our story and uh, and it it, it it kind of those are sort of narrative ball bearings that make things move a lot faster. Um, it's the odd couple here, you know, the odd couple in the comic book was um, Oliver Queen being in some ways more aware of the realism of the world, how, you know, what the world is really like and, and uh, how Jordan was kind of more a, super, a cosmic superhero, really not understanding what the common man was going through. That was that conflict. Our conflict is uh, a little bit different. You know, it's it's a guy who... Um, is a hero, understands what it means to be a hero, that being Oliver Queen, uh, a superhero in a way, um, and, um, uh, and a guy who doesn't want to be, yeah. uh, a guy who doesn't want to fight, and doesn't want to kill anymore, and, and, you know, and, and the fact that their personalities are so different. That always makes for, I think, really good storytelling. And uh, it was a, a really good stroke on Jim's part to, uh, to want to do it this way. And you just touched on it there, but there are there's a generation of fans who've grown up with John Stewart as their Green Lantern. I mean, for me, he was the Green Lantern that I remember when I was watching the Justice League cartoon in the early two thousands. Yep. And obviously, Shaira Hull was yep. the the Hawk Girl that was in that team as well. So, what are you hoping that fans yep. who kind of who did grow up grow up with these characters as their versions? What are you hoping they take away from watching this film? Oh, I think they're going to be ecstatic. Because they've been waiting. You know, it's, it's funny, but every one of the interviews I've done, they've said exactly what you said, which is yeah. I've grown up with these characters. I think it's long overdue. They've been waiting for it. And they're going to be extremely satisfied because not only have we brought them back, but we've brought them back in a big, epic movie with an epic story being told. There's nothing trivial about this. Uh, it is really the, the movie that they've been waiting for, quite frankly. And... Um, I think that, that they're going to be very satisfied. I think it brings Jon Stewart back into the uh, animated, or brings him into the animated universe uh, so that he can then be the Green Lantern in future stories that have the Green Lantern. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm sure that, that Warners is already uh, embarking upon that. So um, we're, we're doing something that I think everyone has been waiting for. And uh, uh, it's long overdue. As, as someone who has grown up as a DC fan, I could not agree with you more. Having watched these characters, it's amazing to see them in this setting. So, I uh, yeah, thank you for, for doing that and putting the characters in the spotlight in the way that you have, because I think people are really going to enjoy it when it's out there. Um, so thank you very much, and thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. Best of luck with the film. I hope it's really well received when it's out there. And thank you again to John for uh, for doing that interview. It was lovely to talk to him. I was a little bit nervous for that one just because uh, he's such a living legend in terms of the work that he's done before. But what a lovely guy to talk to, uh, as is always the case when I'm doing these interviews. 
But what did I think of Green Lantern Beware My Power? Let's do my review, shall we? So I thought this uh, film was another really excellent entry into the DC Animated Universe. I have to say, I know that there are those out there who are still missing the animation style of the previous version of the universe. And it was very distinct and it did reflect what was going on in comics particularly around the New 52 era, you know, really well. But I have to say this kind of Otto Schmidt-inspired artwork is really, really cool. I'm loving it. The character... I mean, Otto Schmidt's run on Green Arrow, if you've not read it, is it's a stunning um, run on that book. Um, it looks beautiful, and his character designs and the colouring are amazing and that's translated so well into this new version of the animated universe sorry i'm swigging my tea you probably hear that that's not something you want to hear in a podcast um it just it looks great i i know it's the line work that is kind of annoying some people they don't really like the thicker lines and i know martin and i have discussed this at length about line thickness before so i don't want to linger on it too long but i think what you can also see if you look back to Superman Man of Tomorrow through uh, World War II, through um, Long Halloween, you can see, and into this, you know, into Beware My Power, you can see that they have tweaked and kind of worked on the style a little bit to get it to a point where they're really happy with it. So particularly background designs changed a lot from Man of Tomorrow into Justice Society World War II and onwards. And I think they've really nailed it now. And this this film is equally as, as beautiful as Long Halloween was and as World War II was. It looks great. It clocks in a little bit longer. So um, normally these films are around 70 to 75 minutes, where Beware My Power is actually closer to 90 uh, when all is said and done. So it is, it's a little bit longer. And you do feel that it is a little longer. But that is for a very important reason. And that reason is giving the characters enough time to um, to breathe and to go through their origins and to fully explore what's going on. So with John Stewart, we need to understand his PTSD. And as you just heard um, both John Semper and Ernie Altbach are talking about, there is, you know, there's a connection to Apocalypse Now and this idea that his PTSD can only be cured by kind of going back into the fire, as it were. And to properly explore that definitely needed a little bit more time. So it's nice that Warner Brothers allowed them to do that and didn't rigidly stick to the um, the kind of 70 to 75 minute runtime. And to be able to set up uh, kind of a cosmic adventure and what's happened with Oa and the Lanterns and what is happening between Ran and Thanagar, it's, it's quite a lot to pack into a film and because there may be not elements which are as fully explored from comics into films and animation as, you know, the origin of Superman, the origin of Batman, or any of those really famous runs like The Long Halloween or Killing Joke, uh, it does require a little bit more time to be able to properly put that across to an audience that maybe aren't as familiar with it. So Beware My Power really does have a runtime which allows its story to be told fully without it feeling kind of clipped at any point. 
The casting is brilliant. Aldous Hodge is a wonderful John Stewart. It's cool that he's getting to play two different roles in the DC universe at the moment by by bringing Hawkman into live action and bringing um, John Stewart into animation. Hopefully, they're both going to give him some real longevity in the DCU because they're both brilliant characters. And he's you know obviously we've not seen Black Adam yet, but with what he's doing here uh, with with Green Lantern, he's doing a really really good job. Now, I've already touched on Jimmy Simpson and Aldous Hodges scene partners, but Simpson is a great uh, Oliver Queen. He's got the attitude. Um, he, you obviously don't get to explore a huge amount of Oliver Queen uh, in his kind of home environment because he's in space, and that's obviously slightly unusual. Um, but they are paying homage, as again, you've just heard them talk about in the interviews, but they're paying homage to the kind of hard-travelling heroes, which is... Uh, a very famous team up between Hal Jordan's Green Lantern and and the Green Arrow, so it's cool to have a Lantern and Arrow together, even if it's a different kind of coupling. And I and I really like what they were doing with that. Now Jamie Gray Hyder is a standout as Hawkgirl. She brings so much uh, weight to the role that you really can feel the history of the character and the way she puts her dialogue across. And that's something that I wanted to talk to Jamie about in particular when I when I knew I was going to be interviewing her because I felt it was such an interesting performance and an interesting um, kind of way of using her her own voice as the voice of a hawk girl. So before we get into any more, let's have a listen to my interview with Jamie. Hello, Neil. Hey, Jamie. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. Um, congratulations on this film. Sure. What a brilliant film it is. It's, this is, feels like a bit of a loaded question to start with, but tell me about Shaira and what she's up to in Green Lantern, Beware My Power. Well, um, Shaira as Hawkgirl in this film is as badass as ever, which is <laughs> very exciting for me to portray. Um, you know, she comes in and, and she's a bit torn as she has to sort of as a Thanagarian herself, you know, as a Thanagarian herself, she has to side with people from Ran and work together with them in a conflict that typically she was against them. And and so it's kind of, she's a bit torn, I feel like, in the beginning as to who to trust and who to work with. But in the end, you know, they all kind of come together for a common goal. And uh, to kind of see her have to soften up and work with everyone as a team is, I think, one of the more entertaining parts of the character. Yeah, definitely. Was she a character that you were familiar with before you took on the role? Or was this an opportunity to dive in and read some comics to do some research? Um, I had heard of Hawkgirl, but I hadn't really researched her in the past. And you know, one thing that I found extremely fascinating is that she was created back in the early 1940s as one of the first heroines in the DC universe. Yeah. And that sense of responsibility for me really motivated me to want to make sure that, you know, I really did the character justice. Um, so having the opportunity to look at the women who portrayed her before me, you know, talk, looking at her various backstories, which kind of vary depending on who you talk to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I connect a lot with, I connect a lot with her ancient Egyptian roots in some of the backstories as someone who's Lebanese myself. Um, that sort of the world definitely interests me. Um, but yeah, it was a wonderful opportunity to get to know a new character. And she has this really, really awesome introductory moment. She, I mean, she literally crashes into the film in the middle of the action. And something that I, I'm always interested to hear from, from voice actors, 
it's, it's what it's like kind of recording moments like that. In my head, it's this really cathartic moment where you kind of take all your aggression from the day and just get it out while you're in the booth. Is that something that you enjoy doing when you're when you're doing kind of voiceover work? Definitely. Doing all of the impact and all of the battle sound effects and battle chatter itself is all so much fun because you really sort of have to take yourself back to playing Maple Leaf in your backyard as a kid where you're standing in the booth and you really sort of have to create this world around you in order to really get that authenticity that makes it work. Um, you definitely get out some aggression, but for me, I feel like I probably look goofy more than anything. <laughs> Just sort of hopping around and, and trying to mimic the motion to really understand kind of how your body is moving when, when this is coming out of your character. But then I think that's something that maybe some people don't think about when they watch an animated movie is that actually, you know, as an actor who's done live action work as well as, as you know, voice acting work like this, is it is it more complex in a way for you when you don't have your facial expressions to help put across the emotion and it's all kind of in, in your voice and how, how you use your voice as the instrument? I actually find it very freeing yeah. uh, to not have to be concerned with facial expressions. It, it really allows you to sort of get into it and do whatever you need to do to get that emotion across. And it, you're not so concerned with, with what, how your face is reading on the outside. Um, I think that for me really allows me to focus. And as someone who was a classically trained singer growing up, my voice is something that I'm really familiar with and mm. feel that I have really great control over it. So stripping away the cameras and the lighting and all of that, I feel like it's much easier just to focus on one aspect of the performance. Wow, yeah. And and where where do you kind of go within yourself in your process to, to find the character's the voice, as it were? You know, I've been lucky to portray a lot of really badass women in my <laughs> career. And... And I'm very grateful for that. I, I struggle to live up to that in my everyday life. But uh, with Hawk Girl, you know, I, I felt like with her, she's really just grounded. You know, she, she's impulsive in the way that she's aggressive, but sort of the way she responds to people and, and her general sort of personality doesn't waver very much. So for yeah. me, that comes from staying really grounded in your feet, keeping the voice in her case, you know, she has a bit of an affected way of speaking, you know, but also still with that edginess to it. So you still feel that that sort of threat from her. Yeah. Um, so usually I feel like you got to kind of feel where it is in your body. And for me, something, a character like Hawk Girl really sits really grounded in your feet and kind of lower in your body and lower in your vocal register. That's really interesting because I was... I've kind of I've watched it a couple of times and as I was as I was listening to to your dialogue today I was thinking there's almost something I feel like you can feel the the weight of the journey that Shia has had up to this point in kind of the cadence of her voice there's almost something I don't know if regal's the right the right word for it but there's you there's a there's a definite weight there and I was going to say is that something you kind of did on purpose to just you know in your mind reflect the journey that she's had up to where we find her in the film I think her manner of speaking in one way represents kind of her control. Yeah, yeah. And her and her focus. You know, she's very mission-oriented. She's not getting distracted by anything else. And I think that that reflects itself in the way her speech is very pointed. Yeah. 
and she doesn't ramble. She gets to the point. You know, there's an urgency in the way she speaks as well as the way that she carries herself. And so I felt like the voice really had to have that strength and very de- deliberate nature to it, which kind of puts you in that realm of, like you said, almost regal or almost affected in a way, but affected in that she's been through so much that at this point she just she's got her goals in mind and, and she's not going to be swayed from that path. Yeah, absolutely. Have you um have you had a chance to watch the film back yet? How did you kind of react in in seeing your your voice and your your dialogue with the with the animation? It was incredible. I mean, I, I feel flattered by her physical appearance. <laughs> um, but <laughs> um, no, it's just incredible to see the way everything comes together. And uh, while I can know what I'm doing, you know, I'm, I'm in the booth by myself. We're not yeah, working yeah. together and, and recording at the same time as actors. So one thing that in particular that struck me was the banter, you know, between Brian Bloom's character and myself. Um, and just, yeah, he plays Adam Strange. And, yeah. and the banter between Adam Strange and Hawkgirl for me was very reminiscent of our banter in Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. <laughs> so to be working with Brian again remotely was such an interesting thing to see play out on screen. Um, and of course, Jimmy Simpson's character, Green Arrow, balances out her heaviness, I feel. And so seeing all the characters come together on screen was just the most exciting part to me because they all were kind of providing a different spice in the stew and it came together lovely. Absolutely. And I think as soon as fans get to see this, they're, they're going to be looking for more from this version of Hawkgirl. So hopefully we get to see her again in the future. Um, but what's what's next for you? What are you working on at the moment that you can tell us about? For me, I'm working on creating um, a lot of content right now. I've been working on developing some docu-series in the food and culture space, as well as in the military and veteran space. Um, just trying to work on projects that, uh, that are very personal to me right now while I have the time. Um, yeah. And then beyond that, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. Uh, best of luck with the film. I can't wait to see what fans think about it when it's, it's finally out. Such an intriguing interview. I hadn't anticipated that we would go kind of down the route of her being a classically trained vocalist and how much she's able to control and use her voice. It was absolutely fascinating. And I probably could have talked to her for a a good like half an hour or so just about kind of how technically she uses her voice in this kind of voiceover scenario. So that was really, really cool. And thank you very much again to Jamie for taking the time to chat with me. I just wanted to touch on the score for Beware My Power briefly. So it's another um, Kevin, I hope I pronounced his surname right, it's Kevin Ripel. He worked on Justice Society World War II, Superman Man of Tomorrow, the Deathstroke Knights and Dragons movie, the Adam Strange short. He also worked on Batman vs. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Constantine City of Demons uh, kind of series that then came together into a film. He worked on Justice League Action. He's been with the DC Universe for a while. He worked on Batman Unlimited. Um, including both the, the kind of the TV shorts and the the movies. I think, I'm trying to think if he goes back any further with DC. I think that's about as far back as he goes on ter- in terms of DC, but he's really cranking out a good series of scores that are tying this universe together incredibly well and obviously working in, in different areas of the DC universe. I'm really hoping that it does get a standalone release so I can listen to the score kind of without all of the action and the dialogue happening over top because it would be it would be cool to be able to listen to it in, in isolation like that.
I think that's about all I can say about Beware My Power without veering off into spoiler territory. So I think I'm going to stop rambling there before I get myself into trouble. So just to reiterate, uh, Green Lantern Beware My Power is releasing in the UK next week. So it's going to be available on July the 25th on DVD and Blu-ray and it's going to be available on digital on July the 26th. I need to go continue packing my suitcase because we're off to Chicago in a few days for a week. Um, You will still probably see me even while we're out there, you won't be able to get rid of me because whilst I'm out there, I'm hoping to check out uh, Nope, which is Jordan Peele's new movie. It doesn't release in the UK until a little bit later on, so I should be able to get an early sneak peek. And whilst I'm out there, DC League of Super Pets will also release. So I'm going to try and go see it in the cinema whilst I'm out there and bring you some review coverage whilst we are there. So until next time, stay safe, stay well. Happy birthday to me, which is on July the 26th next week. <laughs> and I'll catch up with you soon. Bye. Bye.